It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome to another edition of They Came to Play. And what an exciting time it is in the sporting world. So much happening. What do we focus on? But first, let's introduce my fellow combatants today, uh, a recent mother and uh, one of the stars of the ABC, Tess Armstrong. Hello. Hello, Limo. I love that you said recent mother because I haven't actually given birth yet. So I, I got a bit of a fright like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's true. You block it out of your memory. <laughs> you an, impending, an impending mother. <laughs> That's right. Mother to be. Mother to be. Uh, and Danny McGinley, hello, mate. Hello. Uh, no, Tess, you actually did give birth. I, can, I've see, I see the baby on the floor just there. <laughs> there it is. I mean, I feel really bad because I haven't done a single thing yet. But <laughs> what, what's it, what's it, What is that? Go Saints. Oh, that's weird. No. Interesting. No. It will not be following Jack Higgins to St Kilda. Not in my box. Right. Now, how, Tess, did how you did you say not in my box? Not in my yeah. box, but I don't oh, think that's... <laughs> Jesus, I think you've really taken a turn. I've been away for a short period of time. Um, So I feel very torn because I'm obviously Devo that um, Jack is going because Jack is one of my favourites. He's on the scarf in prime position. His beloved smile and his, like, funny speech where his heart is pumping a 1,000 minutes per second, all of those delightful things. He's over the shoulder Amazing goal, not a throw. That now starts seeing some, <laughs> yeah. seeing yeah. some Richmond people call a throw now, which ah, makes me laugh. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <They> turned. <laughs> However, I'm so I'm super torn because, as the two of you know, two of my favourite things in footy are when players play for the team they grew up barracking for, because I think that's super wholesome and should happen more often. It's like father son you know, father-daughter situation, and when players play for a team that suits their name, so when Richo plays for Richmond and Jack has gone to play with all the other Jacks at St Kilda, and so I feel, like, completely mystified because then there's all these photos of him as a child in his Saints gear and he's so happy, and I'm like, I think I want him to be happy, but I don't know how to feel. That's that's very magnanimous of you. Uh, Tess, <laughs> Sean Higgins uh, went for the Sean Higgins went for the cats growing up, and he's ended up there. So that's that's something. Yeah, I think that's nice too. And because he's from Geelong, and his partner's from Geelong, like I, I'm, as a regional person, I get the pull of moving back, uh, as we've all done, and like wanting to get on with your life and get out of the big smoke. And so I'm kind of happy for him. I mean, Geelong is just such a. I mean, as you all know, I live with a Geelong person who has recovered so well from the grand final and despite saying that, you know, the trading is a disaster because they're only trading to win the next premiership, he's like, it's fantastic. We're still in the window. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. Hoping mechanism yeah. of footy fans uh, is, a, is a wild ride. But- the Geelong premiership window has been open <laughs> since like 2004. Like they are just jimmying that r- open. They are just jamming yeah. things. Like it's it's like yeah. 
a really old, uh, it's like a really old house and you're just trying to close it, but it's jarred, the wood's moved. We just cannot close that window. I actually want to ask the two of you what would you, what you'd rather because Cats fans I know are super divided because uh, Hawthorne and Sydney really deliberately, you know, got rid of a lot of the older players in their team and went younger in an attempt to rebuild because the window shut. Geelong have, yes, jimmied the window open and open and open and open. And they are still doing that. And next year, like, I kind of understand why people think that's quite a good thing because you are so competitive and thereabouts. But are they going to actually win a grand final? And at what stage has the window been jarred open too much and Mm. you're freezing and everybody's got frostbite (laughs) and you need to, like, like close it and start again, warm up again, go back to Geelong, I thought they were, everyone was freezing and dying of frostbite about, oh, 2017. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, they're coming back. I thought that as well. Well, Geelong, look, if they don't win a premiership next year, it's a massive fail. <laughs> this has all been for nothing. So anything short of lifting the premiership cup next year is an abject failure, and everyone should be sat. <laughs> Hey, Tess and Lima, I was listening to uh, just some old grabs from our show early in the year. You know we actually predicted the grand final uh, in about May because uh, I listened to a grab where I asked you, Lemo, would you rather Gary Ablett get the awesome send-off or Tess be smug for another year? Do you know? <laughs> do you remember what you chose? Uh, oh, gee, I w- did I somehow choose neither? You chose to be injected with the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yes, there we go. Wow, you predicted the second wave as well. That's amazing. I do know what's also amazing, Tess, is uh, Limo had a COVID test last week and he was uh, waiting on it while we were uh, doing the Patreon episode. And uh, since yeah. then, it, it, it's come back negative, but I don't believe it because since then, R- uh, Limo's been doing radio from Melbourne but for Adelaide and he somehow infected that entire city. Yeah, there are 17 cases today. Limo? That's all of Adelaide, isn't it? That, oh, very funny, very funny. Uh, I uh, I somehow got it down the uh, down the radio line into the streets of Adelaide to start the uh, start that. First oh, we all cluster. know how you did it, Limo. You're you're broadcasting in five G, and that's oh, how yeah. it works. <laughs> Pete Evans <laughs> told me <laughs> while we you're were watching it. Schindler's List. Together. Yes, and I also sent up a dose of. COVID-19 with the SpaceX launch this morning as well. <laughs> oh, right. Excellent. For Elon, for our buddy Elon. Um, yeah. By the way, as a complete aside, I don't know if I've made you too, but if you're listening at home and you are in the camp of wondering whether or not Elon Musk is a supervillain or a genius, I've always been in supervillain camp and we're watching his origin story as we grow up until he is a supervillain. But you should Google his mother because it goes into the category of just eat, just Google Elon Musk mum and you will see the fact that she is the mother of a, a supervillain in a movie. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. I'm not even going to describe that. Everyone yeah. should just have that moment that I just had. Yes. yes. So, if you were going to draw a supervillain's mother, you would draw her. And him getting COVID after being mocked for a year for naming his baby like, you know, hashtag three or whatever. Um, I feel like we're really on the cusp. So, anyway. Oh, my God. And the picture of her... Where she's got her hand up to her chin. Yes, Limo, that's the one. 
That's the one where I think she is plotting the end of the world. And look, if you read about her, her name is Mae Musk. She's a Canadian South African uh, model and dietitian. Now that's apart. Okay, the Canadians there just to throw us off, but a South African dietitian. That's yeah. That, those people that's make some, super villains. That's some serious um, villain origin story. Anywho, Lima, have you infected South Australia to undermine the first test? Because I hear that's in the in the ballot. Oh. This was, Tess, I was mocked on radio this morning. We were, three of us have two co-hosts, Beck and Cosie, and we were on air saying this is a disaster. And Beck was saying, my God, what does this mean for Christmas? Uh, you know, everyone's, of course, making plans for Christmas. And Cosie said, what does it mean for summer holidays? People will be making holiday plans. And I said, well, what does it mean for the first test against India? It's the only one that Virat Kohli is playing this yes. summer. It's a disaster. If it was if it was uh, impacted in any way. Anyway, I was mocked for I, focusing no, on No, I 100% back you, back you in there, although as a Melbourneian, maybe we could do like what we're doing with the tennis and just get all the cricket and be like, well, we went through it early, so we'll have all the cricket so we get Virat here because I would quite like to go. Wouldn't that be good? So we yeah. get all four tests. And, look, there's only, they're only allowing, what, is it like 25% of the MCG to go along? So if we have all four, then it should be like a roster system for tickets. You can only go to one test yes. as a person. But then all the Melbourne people who would normally go to the cricket get to go watch some cricket. That's a great idea. Yeah, but also um, the MCG pitch does not deserve to have four. The only four tests. <laughs> like, and it would be very Melbourne if we were like, guys, we've got this. And then the pitch hasn't been oh. played on literally all year because there's been no footy there. Maybe it'll be the best time, best pitch it's ever looked. But, um, no, Tess, you've just come up with the most 2020 thing possible. The Boxing Day test is played at Docklands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Even, even Virat couldn't get me to the Docklands. <laughs> you know what? And I bet they closed the bloody roof. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of summer, 35 degrees. Close the I'm roof. for it. That's a great idea. Play it at Docklands. What a great stadium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, deeply annoying. Now, I know you two have, been, have said to me over and over and over again, Limo, we don't talk enough about boxing on this uh, podcast. Uh, can there be more boxing chat? So today I answer the call and I come out in defence of our very own Andrew Maloney, one half of the Maloney Twins. Uh, Great couple of blokes from Melbourne, uh, currently in Las Vegas. And Andrew fought for the World um, uh, Super Flyweight title yesterday. Superfly. Wow, that's that's the one you want. That's the coolest belt. Superfly for a white guy against... Joshua Franco, an American who currently holds the belt. Right? Mm. Andrew was absolutely caning this bloke, punched him in the head about a thousand times. The guy's eye started swelling really badly. Anyway, the ref calls off the fight and says, No contest. Uh, you've been headbutting him to Andrew Maloney. And Andrew's like, uh, What are you talking about? And the ref says, no, nah, it's over. Then the Nevada Boxing Commission, they go back and review the footage. Now, the ESPN commentators are reviewing the same footage and they're like, well, there's clearly no headbutts. So Andrew's going to get the belt because he's clearly won the fight. He just punched him in the eye heaps of times. 
Um, and then they come back and go, yep, two headbutts, no contest. They'll have to be a rematch down the track. And there is, this is welcome to boxing, people. There is zero evidence. Like you cannot see one headbutt land. And they went, yeah, no, he's headbutted him. And everyone's gone, where is it? And they said, well, we saw it in the vision. So what? No but the vision isn't public. You can't watch it. No, the vision's public, absolutely. You can go and watch it yourself. And you can't and see is, any headbutting. There is they say. There is no headbutting. What there is vision of is Andrew punching his guy in the eye about 20 times. What? Well, like it's extraordinary. Lima, you've just explained to me uh, very easily why I don't like boxing. Um, I mean, if it's, if it's two guys fighting, uh, why aren't they allowed to headbutt? I mean, that could be my Glaswegian oh. <laughs> heritage. Well, <laughs> what sort yeah. of namby pamby sport is this? Yeah. You are Scottish, Danny, and I'll get, I've got a little bit. I've got a Scottish bit later uh, for you on a different subject. But this was so outrageous. Two massive celebrities have come out and commented on this. Oh, uh, uh, Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> well, you're not far off. Oh, really? <laughs> you're not far off. Maggie Smith. One of them is, one of them is Joe Rogan. Right, which is no surprises there. Joe Rogan came out and said this is an absolute outrage. Kids being ripped off. I'm disgusted. Everyone should be disgusted. The second person put up a post on their Instagram page that said uh, Andrew Maloney clearly robbed in Vegas. Shame on you, the Nevada Boxing Organization. Any guesses who that might have been? Jill Biden. Helen, Helen Mirren. Ah! No. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> Helen Mirren has come out and had a crack at the Nevada Boxing Organization on behalf of our very own Andrew Maloney in this, as part of this disgrace. And all I can say is I never knew Helen Mirren was a boxing fan. And she is such a boxing fan. She is watching an Australian fight an American in the sloop, super flyweight division. This is this is down the undercard. This is nowhere near the main fight. So she isn't just tuning in for the main fight of the night. She's watching the whole card <laughs> and commenting on the fights. So this is the equivalent of going down to, say, like North Heidelberg versus Montmorency and 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 there's uh, I don't know um, Emma Thompson just yes. <laughs> standing there, tinnies on the wing, screaming blue murder. Yes. Uh, just wow, superb. Dame Helen Mirren has our back. It makes me feel better. Like she'll really back us in an international kind of like a UN yeah. level fight. There is, and you know, nothing's ever perfect in this world, right? A couple of people have had a crack at her. <laughs> it makes me laugh because Andrew's twin brother, Jason, and they're identical twins, trust me. I know them both. I've watched them both fight. I've interviewed them both. I've done stories on the project for them. I've been up to their boxing gym. They are identical twins, right? <laughs> I, I cannot tell the difference. I know the difference between their wives, though, so I always get a clue from the wives which one is which, right? Mm. Helen Mirren posted a picture of Jason Maloney and not Andrew. Oh. So all these people come on and gone, wrong Maloney, that's Jason, not Andrew. And they're both boxing. They're both like. Yeah, yeah, Jason, Jason fought for a world title two weeks ago and lost and Andrew fought yesterday. I find that that's like 
isn't that just, you know how you meet twins and like some twins are like desperate to not do the same thing as each other so they have their own identities yeah, yeah. and these two are like, no, we're both, we're both going to become, and they have, like which is also quite amazing, but we're both yeah, going to become yeah. top boxers and we're going to still look exactly the same. Are they so identical that uh, if one gets punched, does the other one's eye bleed? Yeah. <laughs> I did ask that question in, a, in, an, in an interview. How'd it go down? Uh, a blank stare and no was the answer. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are so identical. Aren't they? Yes. Yeah, Google them, Danny. Okay. All right, hang on. What are their names? Maloney twins. Andrew and Jason Maloney. Maloney twins boxing. And even their bodies, when you see them, you know, shirts off, ready to box. Oh, that's photoshopped. That's the same bloke. Yeah, I know. There's one where they're like in the water, like um, like in the beach, and they're kind of punching at the camera. <laughs> they look exactly the same. It looks. I just watched the Parent Trap last week with Lindsay Lohan, and so I feel like that's what's happening here. It's like a split screen. Whether he's playing both actors, he's playing and, both. Yeah. And I've seen here that uh, Jason Maloney fought a guy called uh, Kono uh, or something uh, for the Bob Rose Cup, which is what the uh, the Bulldogs and the Magpies play for every year. So. <laughs> Oh, right, there we go. Maybe you should take it up a notch, Danny, in the Bulldogs. How long did game? Well, with Trelaw coming, I think there might be some uh, – we might need to get one of the Maloney's for us. <laughs> That's going to be the best game next year, by the way, when you play Collingwood. I can't oh, wait be, for that. It'll be round one. That is, uh, that is going to be a belter, and I dare say Adam Trelaw – uh, we'll be pretty fired up. Well, yeah, can, can, and have 30 disposals. <laughs> can we yeah, talk about yeah. that? Isn't this the weirdest soap opera of the year? Just the mm. the fact that he seems to have been just booted for no reason and there's people saying things like, no, I know, Adam, when the real story comes out in a few years, everyone will be sh- disgusted with the Collingwood Football Club and then they're blaming his wife and she's, but she's moving away and he wanted to stay, had five years left on his contract. It's genuinely baffling. It's Have you guys been watching The Crown? Because um, I have. But also what it reminds me of is when Princess Di and Charles got a divorce and, like, all these stories, like, they both used the media in, like, completely different ways. And so, like, one of them was bad at using the media, which I think in this case is Collingwood, and one was came off quite well in this case and was extremely popular and had blonde hair, and that's Adam Trelaw. And so I – and Princess Di. And so I feel like Adam's, like, beloved by everybody, popularity through the roof. His teammates seem to really love him. The Collingwood fans seem to love him. But he was signed on – a few years ago, like when Princess Di married Charles, um, she just signed up for whatever and didn't understand really what the contract was that she was getting into. But he signed up on just an absurdly expensive contract that Collingwood now are completely cooked in any, in being able to get any new talent into their team because they can't afford it because they signed everybody up, including Dane Beams and Adam Trelaw, on like super-duper contracts that then he tried to salary sacrifice for a couple of years but was still going to be like 32 own, earning like $700,000, $800,000 a year. Yeah. And so I feel like they're trying to pretend that it was love at first sight and it was a proper fairy tale in the wedding. Um, and so Collingwood are trying to do that thing where they're like, no, no, we were so in love but we've just fallen out and that's just what happens in relationships whereas everyone in the real world is like, oh, that looks like you were just really cruel to that innocent blonde person. 
Right. So first of all, a couple of points I've got here. So first of all, Adam Trelaw's nickname should be England's Rose. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, the People's Princess, one of those. And also maybe we should cancel the end of season trip to Paris. Okay. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for that, Tess. Thank you. And, and when Adam Trelaw cleared out his locker at uh, – what is it? Is it the Westpac Centre, the Holden Centre? Holden what is it? Oh, isn't it the Holden, Holden Centre? Lexus? Uh, probably might Lexus. be Lexus. <laughs> yeah. The centre. The centre. When he cleared out his locker, should they have had Elton John in the fo- in the foyer playing Goodbye Norma Jean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he definitely would have. He would have said Adam Trelaw's um, career at Collingwood was like a candle in the wind. Yeah. It flickered, it flickered. He got a couple of hamstrings, that was the flicker, and then it blew out and now he's blown all the way over to the West and so off he goes. I think he's going to be amazing for you. He's like a super decent person, Danny. I feel like he's like the best Yeah, he's good. Ever. And for some reason Essendon and Dunkley kind of cooked that deal so now you have the best <laughs> midfield. It's like what happened? Yeah, yeah. I was chatting to uh, Peter Helly, a big Collingwood fan, just about Trelaw and everything and he said he should fill the hole if when Dunkley goes. And I went, well, Dunkley's only going to go if Essendon can organise it well, so I'm 90% sure he's going to stay. <laughs> but the bad news is about Elton John playing at Collingwood is uh, Ned Guy organised the contract and now Elton John owns Collingwood. Right. <laughs> well, he's not uh, – what's the – He does he own Watford? He's part, Yeah, Tessa's team. Oh, that's right. That's why I like them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're my team. Anyway, it just seems extraordinarily dramatic. And then Nathan Buckley's gone on radio today to do like an hour-long interview to try and do essentially PR and he's calling it a breakup, which, you know, plays into my theory a lot. And I'm like, you should all just leave it, like just put pause on the situation. The kind of the idea that Collingwood backgrounded to say that it was his conniving wife made me so rageful because I'm like, she actually doesn't have anything to do with it. She's actually a super athlete in her own life and they'd already as a couple decided to make a pretty tricky decision which was to live apart for part of the year. Adam Tullo yeah. says to Collingwood, I'll be fine. And they're like, you won't be. You're not mentally strong enough. Like, <laughs> I am. I'm fine. I'm telling no, you, I'll be fine. No, you're not. We've decided. No, you're not, mate. You're not. She's, she's all you've got going on. <laughs> um, it just seems really weird. It's like proper gaslighting. Like, no, you won't be fine. Hey, how good does the uh, the Queensland Firebirds roster look? You got um, uh, Trelaw's uh, partner, whose name I really should have Jimmy written Rav. down, yeah, uh, and um, uh, Dunkley. They've got a Dunkley as well. Oh God, the, the ex Vixens, the sister Dunkley, oh Lara Dunkley, Lara Dunkley. That's hilarious. Yeah, and there's a third awesome player there that uh, I've has a bulldog abs- link. Uh, no, no, has an AFL link. Ah, hey, so. Tess, tell me what you think of this. This is a quote from Nathan Buckley to Jared Waitley in this interview. He says, I need to be clear, it's not our job to live Adam and Kim's lives. They're entitled to live their lives the way they see fit, but it is our responsibility on a professional level how that might affect Adam's ability to do his job, which is to play football and contribute to the club. We're within our rights to have an assessment of that given our knowledge of Adam and the experiences we've shared since he came to the club. But that's now, yeah. So he's he's blaming the relationship. He's blaming the relationship. Yeah. But to me, like if you take this out of a fo- football club, ex- you know, experience and into a workplace, right? Where he Adam is an employee of that company, 
and they're his employers and they say to him, we don't think in six months' time you'll be mentally strong enough. He says, I think I will be. You can't sack an employee because their partner gets a job that you think might impact your employee's ability to, like, punch shit into an Excel document. Like, you can't do that. It's like unfair dismissal. You can't be like, no. And I just... I just find it really weird that they're like, all right, this is the hill we're going to die on. That do you, like, do you reckon then? We needed to trade him to have to keep the club going because we need to look forward and rather than, you know, looking one year ahead, we need to look five years ahead and we need to not be burdened by these massive contracts and so we need to keep the club healthy. Like just say what well, is happening. Maybe test, yeah. maybe just Trelaw whenever he's apart from Kim uh, he becomes like a forlorn teenager and he's just, you know, so in all the team meetings he's just sighing heavily and they go, so we need to, this will be the attacking structure. He's, ah, oh, what is it, Adam? I just miss Kim. I've written a poem, guys. Do you want to hear my poem to Kim? <laughs> oh, please. Uh, I, well, in that case, case is burned. <laughs> you would definitely don't. You don't want acoustic guitars, Alistair Clarkson, and poem getting sung every time she goes away. So that's yeah. true. But also Jaden Stevenson. Like I find it fascinating as well because I'm like, you don't often hear players like speak at all really very openly about their previous clubs and both Jaden Stevenson and Adam Trelaw are like, right, this is not on. And I just, it's just been absolutely fascinating. I've loved every second of it because I've really had a bit of drama. How's this one? Uh, the, more from Buckley. He says, we felt this was the time that we needed to stop pushing our pain into the future and take it all in one gulp now. Oh. <laughs> Lauren Stevenson would love reading that, wouldn't they? <laughs> we needed to swallow the pain. <laughs> this is it's just like a labour preparation book I'm reading at the moment. Um, and so I really feel like I'm mentally prepared for Jaden Stevenson and Adam Trelaw to leave the club. So, um, so Collingwood fans really need an epidural to get through trade week. <laughs> yeah, do they ever? And also just like the idea that it's not Essendon that is the talking point of trade week is like 2020. Ah, it's just Interesting. Different. Test that you bring that up. I did some research. I've looked up the last five years who has quote unquote won Trade Week and who has <laughs> lost Trade Week. Would you like to know the stats? Yes. All right. So we'll start at 2020. Uh, apparently, the Bulldogs won Trade Week. Uh, runners up were St Kilda and Port Adelaide. And the three worst teams were Collingwood, Essendon, and GWS. Okay, good. Uh, last year, the team that won Trade Week was St Kilda. Runners-up were West Coast and the Bulldogs. Uh, the worst teams were Carlton, Adelaide and Sydney. <coughs> 2018, Tigers won Trade Week. Uh, Runners-up were Essendon and Brisbane and GWS came last. GWS came last uh, in 2020, 2018, 2017. Wow. Uh, 20- 2017, 16 to 17 were both allegedly won by Frio and Essendon equally. <laughs> so it doesn't this really. into account though. You know how you said last year St Kilda won trade week, which like we can say this, but then this year they're like, oh, well, Brad Hill was okay. Paddy Ryder was tragically, tragically injured before the final, uh, before the final final. And Dan Butler was like good, but patchy. Like did they really win trade week last year? Last year, if you look at the context of the season, I think they won like Coach Trade Week because they got the best. Oh yeah, game. and well, like turned geez, you've changed, you've know. turned on your old team, Tess. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've won it this year by getting Jack Higgins and Brad Crouch. Um, but I don't know. I 
yeah, anyway, that's just, it's just wild. And like, I remember that year that they were like, oh, Essendon's just absolutely nailed trade work because they got Dylan Shield. I'm like, you guys have got like a lot of other things to sort to sort out. Trade week is always to me just like something we do to fill the time before cricket. Oh, it's the it's the purge. It's you know, yeah. it's just a free spin for all the journalists. Everything is legal, no repercussions. <laughs> Report whatever you want. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad. I feel disproportionately thrilled for Arazio Fantasia as well. Like he's a princess that's been trapped in a castle for years where he said many <laughs> times, I'd like to get out now and everyone's like, Nope, you can't get out and then this year he finally like escaped um his his castle. So I feel really happy for him. And he gets to be Ken so, sadly, he brought over um, that horrible virus to Adelaide. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. no. I'm, I'm not no, talking about COVID. Really I'm talking about Essendon. Uh, he's the sanciest Stark of, yeah. uh, of the AFL. He really is. He really is. Goodness gracious, man. If everyone in Adelaide starts, like, trolling people online and death-threatening them, we can tell that he definitely took Essendon to Adelaide. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now... Guys, uh, we're about 30 minutes in, so I want to bring you, before we wrap up today, I want to bring you this other story. Now, this is getting back to Scotland, Danny. Is this about um, the Euros? No. Oh, okay. Oh, well. um... I was watching a ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on the weekend, which people had told me for years to watch it. And for some reason, it just never had really appealed to me that much. And I watched it. It is amazing. Uh, and it's called The Four Falls of Buffalo. Oh, And it's, it's about Buffalo Bills who in the NFL made it to the Super Bowl four years in a row and lost all four Super Bowls. Yeah, I think Buffalo might be Tess's team in the NFL. <laughs> so 1990, 1991, 1992, 1993. Oh. Uh, and they bloody lost all four. There's really great interviews with a lot of the players and fans and coaches and, of course, great old footage. But the bit I want to bring to you, Danny, is the coach at the time of the Buffalo Bills loved his poetry. <laughs> okay. He shared a poem. Yeah. He shared a poem. After they got beaten in 1990, he said he used to read this poem to the team, right? And it is. Uh, I'm just. I'm going to find it for you here. All right. Stand by. How, hey Tess, how much do you hope it's a dirty limerick? Well, I'm kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. like Adam Trelaw when he lost so, his partner. Goes to play in his day. Yeah. Uh, here it is. There was a young man from Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> so the poem is: uh, "Fight on, my men," Sir Andrew said. I am hurt, but I'm not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. So that's the that's it. Okay. Short, short and sweet. And he'd read that to the players. And say, this guy's injured. He's going to lay down. Anyway, I heard that, and I kind of liked it, and I got curious. So I, when I finished watching the doco, I searched for the poem, right? Yep. Anyway, that is part of a much, much, much longer poem. There's about, I don't know, 50 of the, I don't know, what do you call that? Stanzas, 50 of those, right? Yeah. In the poem. And that is one of the 50. It's the story of Sir Andrew Barton, who's a Scottish, was a Scottish privateer, which is like a sanctioned pirate, back in the 1500s. 
And this poem is about his final battle where he gets hit with an arrow and he tells his men to fight on. Uh, but he ends up getting caught. This is, And then you read the rest of the poem. He ends up getting caught, taken to the King of England and beheaded. Uh-huh. Oh. It's like maybe you should have read the rest of the poem before using this as the centrepiece of your revival ah. for a team that went on to lose the next three Super Bowls. It's like when people use um, Love the One You're With as their wedding song, but they don't understand the context of <laughs> the song and the lyrics. Like, we should probably read on. Um, <laughs> sing it out loud to yourself a couple of times and see if it hits. Do you also think it might have been too long? Like maybe the players had fatigue by the time they got to the end of the poem. Uh, with that, well, he only read that one standard. Oh. All he ever read to them. But that, that, I'm not surprised by that. That most Scottish and Irish poems are about honourable losses. There's a lot of <laughs> culturally, they're a big fan of that. It's like actually, and my wife will occasionally read Ukrainian fairy stories to my kids, and you know, ours are pretty weird, uh, but their ones are just depressing. They they might as well all be called like you know, the wolf that almost didn't die but then did. <laughs> right. <laughs> But right. Scotland, are, Scotland are happy right now. They've made their first um, – the, the men have made their first major football tournament in 22 years. They've qualified for Euro. They beat Serbia in a penalty shootout, and uh, they are in a group with England. So we're going to get Scotland versus England next year in a proper uh, football tournament, which is very exciting. That is that is very exciting. And I've um, look, looked up the Euros there, and I'm trying to work out who they came to play could get behind. I mean, uh, Ireland are in it, Scotland are in it, uh, so that's uh, Tess and I's uh, uh, heritage. Limo, you, your family's German, I guess, back there? Yeah, so certainly the Lehman side of the family's German. Um, well, but I don't, I don't feel a strong connection to the... Oh, for the for the for the tournament, at least pretend for us, okay, mate. I could pretend. Are Iceland playing? Uh, I let me look it up. Actually, I just looked up the two teams that we could get behind. So why uh, Iceland, Levi? Uh, well, because Iceland made such a huge impact in the lead up uh, to the World Cup, and of course played in the World Cup. They did. Well, they were disappointing in the World Cup, but they were great in Euro. They were disappointing, uh, but they've got that great Viking chant that they have. Yeah. Which I really enjoy getting involved with. Mm, mm, so who have great. we got here? So there they all are. These are all right. So are Iceland there? Iceland have not made it. Oh no. That's all right. But a team that has ne- two teams that have never made any tournaments before have made it. And one is North Macedonia, formerly just called Macedonia. And uh, Finland. Finland have never made a major football tournament. The best they've ever got is they came ninth in the 1980 Olympics. And uh, I've looked, I think we should get behind Finland because uh, their captain's got a very, it's, it's just a fun name, Tim Sparv. Oh, Tim Sparv. Yeah, S P A R V. All right, now I'm done down with that. Yeah. And they've also got a striker called Timo Puki who looks like Christoph Waltz from <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> so he's fun. Yeah. When he plays for Norwich and occasionally when he scores, there'll be headlines like, Puki, put it in the pokey. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny, did you like that headline I sent to you yesterday? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, the, the, well, you, you can explain it. It's your, you found it. You can oh, have it. Yeah, I'm going to find it again here somewhere. 
It's about the rugby test. The uh, the All Blacks, of course, lost to Argentina for the first time in their history. And uh, one of Argentina's star players was uh, something Sanchez. Anyway, uh, the headline is Super Sanchez Goes Ballistic, All Blacks Are Atrocious. (laughs) Which is a hark back to uh, Scottish football one. But, yeah, good on him. And what was the original, Danny? Uh, uh, Inverness Caledonian Thistle beat Celtic 4-0 or something like that. And Super Cali go ballistic. Celtic are atrocious. Celtic are atrocious. (laughs) Stand by one second, guys. I think I've got someone at the door. Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought that was breaking news. I know. Stand by for just a moment. I'm getting a breaking package. We now now get our groceries delivered. Is anyone else involved in this? Amazing revelation. Well, I want to start doing it. I'm going to start doing it, I think, when I have the baby and I can't be bothered getting out of the house. Um, Get involved. It's so good. But the issue is, like, going up and down the supermarket aisles is still a really um, zen thing that I like to do. You know, and you're like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just going to roll around and see. Whereas uh, in the near future I won't have time to do that and so at the moment I'm trying to just, like, live it up. Nah, Tess, Tess, taking your kids out to go shopping is like something that you can do. Otherwise, you are trapped <laughs> in your house all day. Oh, and take your baby out because, oh, man, everyone just goes nuts for a baby. It's like, and you you feel proud because, you know, you made this thing. And everyone's like, yeah. I mean, those kids. like yeah, damn right, made it myself. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's well, they do that to dads, actually. Mums, they just judge what they're wearing. But um, <laughs> You really look terrible. That's <laughs> your baby's stupid. You? you look appalling. <laughs> Good times, Ed. Now, have we got anything else to report here, uh, team? The only thing Mm. I wanted to ask the two of you is whether or not you've seen The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Oh, my God. Tess, I inhaled that series (laughs) so quickly. I just absolutely loved it. And you know what? The final episode was such a nice emotional surprise to me. 100%. I was like, mm-hmm. the rest of it had been, yeah, anyway, no spoilers. But uh, have you thought about buying a chessboard? <laughs> you know what the interesting thing about it, and this is why I started watching it, is I have recently, I played chess as a kid, but I've recently started again. Oh. Uh, and I play online probably a dozen times a day. I can vouch and- that Lemo does this. I've seen him do it. However, he does play against a computer with the offsides off. So. <laughs> the bumpers. That's right. It's like playing bowling. Bumpers up and up. Bumpers, yeah. Um, and then, so I was playing chess and getting into it, and then this series popped up, and I went, "Ah, perfect. God, it's good." And it like is the most glamorous. It's like watching old Bonds, where the whole movie is really yeah. about the rooms yeah. and what everybody's wearing, and like you know the sixties in a in Mexico City or whatever. But oh, is, it, is there one liners like Sean Connery? Like, does someone capture the capture the night and go, "Well, that's a good night to you." <laughs> Similar but different. Anyway, okay. but um, it is just it's such. Someone said at work described it as horny for chess, which made me laugh heaps because it is. It's like the most chess porn. It's like chess porn, but it yeah. made me really be like, oh, because for ages I've thought I'd like to know how to play chess because I like card games and um, doing things that aren't screen based games, but I just feel like now chess boards are going to go right through the roof. It's going to be hard to get one. That's why I think. I think yeah, yeah, there's going to be a chess renaissance. Oh. But, yeah, she's amazing, that the lead Oh, my God. 
because I said, I don't even know what the plot was for most of the show, but I was like, I can't <laughs> watching it. So I was like, this looks beautiful and everyone is so beautiful and all the rooms are gorgeous and, like, you know, chess is the thing. And they're like, oh. it's just fab. Anyway, Danny, watch it, but you will want to watch it, I'm still getting yeah. through uh, Auntie Donna, uh, so we should give that another plug. Do watch that. They are friends of ours, and uh, even if you don't like their humour, just just turn it on and go have a shower so they get the ratings because yeah. that helps local Aussie yeah. comics. Uh, yeah. No, I'm watching the te- what Limo told me to watch, the Ted Lasso on Apple Plus, and that is so good. Yeah. That is oh, my favourite show. Yeah, it's it's just brilliant. Tess, have you watched Laugh that? Out Laugh out loud, funny. Good heart. So yeah. I don't have Apple TV and I know I could just get it, but I have all of the others at the moment and I'm going through this period of time where I've got, I'm like, one's got to, something's got to go. At yeah, fair enough. But if you buy a new phone, like I got a new iPhone and so they gave me oh. uh, 12 months of Apple Plus and I haven't really looked at what else is on there. But Tess, let me just tell you why you, you're going to absolutely love it because it, it is a great show, it's brilliant, but the made-up club that... Ted Lasso goes to coach. What is it called, Limo? Uh, it's called Red. It's called Richmond FC. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And they wear red, white, and blue. They're the greyhounds. Oh. <laughs> so, it's a, so there's a lot of people just singing about how much they love Richmond. It's um, love Richmond. It's like if our teams merged, Danny. I'd be yeah. so torn. Mm, okay. And, uh, of course, based on the suburb in London, Richmond, which is where Mick Jagger lives. There we go. In- oh. I always liked him. <laughs> I believe he's got a, uh, a tiger's scarf hanging above his front. <laughs> Dang out the out the car when he drives it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, fun fact about London suburbs: um, St Albans in London is very posh. Uh, I played a gig there and just told them in great detail about our St Albans, and they were quite amused. Very different. Very different. I once, when I first moved to Melbourne. Uh, I was at a party in the city and I had to leave early because I had a gig and someone said to me, oh, where's your gig? And I said, oh, it's in St Albans. And they laughed and said, oh, good luck with that. And because I'd only just moved to Melbourne, I had no idea what they meant by that. And I said, oh, what do you, what do you mean? And they said, let me put it this way. Uh, after the gig, you'll get bashed and robbed while you're looking for your stolen car. And I went, oh, okay. I look forward to that. Shout out to all our listeners in St Albans, by the way. St Albans has very good food. That's the one. Hey, that, was, that was a long time ago. I'm sure it's changed. Yeah. Great food. That can confirm. Uh, yeah. Wow. Good to have the heads up, though, so you can prepare yourself emotionally, Lena. Really. <laughs> um, hey, good job, team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a uh, – I've got another – I saw another amazing sports documentary, which I will – uh, tell you all about on the Patreon edition. Oh, uh, sizzle! On. Later this week, it is you could you, you would struggle to script a better sports documentary than this one. Um, but I'll plug it uh, in the uh, in the Patreon pod this week. Uh, Tess, what's happening for the week? Just a lot of a lot of work, a lot of boring, tedious things like that. But it's going to be beautiful, and I'm going to seek out a pool because turns out pregnancy makes you in pain a lot. I'm going to seek out some pools and have some swimming time, which is going to be delightful. And I've just gone down into a wiki hole about whatever happened to Linda McMahon, who's married to Vince McMahon, who started the WWF. So um, I I will probably dive back into wrestling at some stage in the next couple of weeks so I can be a proper WWE correspondent. Find out what's happening with Tony Modra. (laughs) 
<laughs> I will. He's not on the proper website yet, so he's really got some work to do. Yeah, he does have a bit of work to do. Uh, Danny, what are you up to this week? I, ladies and gentlemen, will be performing stand-up comedy for the first time in months. What? <gasps> Danny. I have a gig in Bendigo at a place called The Handlebar. It's a, uh, a, quite fittingly, it's a fundraiser for Movember. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to be very rusty, so it's good to come up through the country leagues. And hey. uh, But it's myself, Pete Jones, uh, Luke Morris, some other local Bendigo comics. So uh, it should be good fun. Come on down and uh, <laughs> watch a very rusty comic try and remember how it works. It's, uh, you know, it's one of the few jobs where you can say that and it's okay. Yeah. You know, like you couldn't, you wouldn't want to be sitting on a plane and have a pilot go, hey, guys, I've, I've been in lockdown for the last nine months, eating pasta and drinking piss. Hopefully I can remember how to do this. Um, so, uh, good luck with that, Danny. Uh, I am going to continue in my um, Sir Andrew Barton uh, wormhole online. All right. Find out more about the great Scottish privateer. If it's of any interest, I'll bring it to the pod. Great. So uh, thank you, one. Thank you all. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, give, us a, give us a review. Uh, give us a rating or recommend us to a friend if you're enjoying the pod. Uh, we appreciate no, you. Don't, don't just recommend it. Grab their phone. Go to their podcast app. Download us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just do that. Do it to yeah, all your for- friends and relatives. <laughs> Force us upon all the people you can. (laughs) Uh, We would appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.